I want to invite you to pray with me as we begin today. Heavenly Father, I just ask that you'd remind your people of your faithfulness. I'd ask that you'd point them once again to your love, to your perfection and your holiness and move powerfully in these moments as we just meet with you once again as we have over the nine years. Bless us in Jesus' name. Amen. Happy birthday, church. Nine years old, good to see everyone, good to see everyone. And I'm feeling a little nostalgic. I remembered uh, nine years ago preaching about a love unlike any other. And I, I told everyone that it was a love that was better than your spouse, better than your friend, even better than mama, because it loves the unlovable. The sweetest gospel is while we were sinners, Christ died for us. That's crazy. No one dies for enemies, and yet that is what God has done. And over the nine years, it's been an adventure. There have been ups and downs, there's been many things going on, and yet God has been faithful, God has been with us, and we are here today, hallelujah and amen. And I consider all the adventures, my voice is taken, <laughs> I consider all the adventures that you could go on um, that are aptly pictured in movies. The Oscars are coming up, and one of the greatest adventure series I thought uh, has to do with Frodo and this ring. Do you remember this one? Any fans of Lord of the Rings, by the way? Welcome, nerds. Thank you. Me too. And, uh, and I just loved it. I mean, you think of all the places that Frodo went. You think of all the battles that they had in order to get that ring to Mordor, right? And, and before one battle, I thought it was the, the epic line of all that, that signals every adventure. Uh, before one battle, the line was this, and so it begins. And I believe our lives live with many moments where we hear, and so it begins, a couple days ago, uh, my kids heard two words that signaled, and so it begins. It was the two words, snow day, and so it begins, right? And we walk through seasons of life where we almost hear, and so it begins. The kids went off to school. I got a new job, and so it begins. I have a new baby, and so it begins, right? We go through all of these different seasons and many different adventures in life. But I believe is that of all the adventures you could have, there is no greater adventure than following Jesus. I believe nothing, not even Frodo and the ring, Bilbo eat your heart out, nothing compares to when I sign up, when I hitch my car to, to God's wagon and say, let's go. Because then it begins. I consider how this has worked in the lives of other people. There was a, a famous Christian named Eric Liddell. I don't know if any of you have seen the movie Chariots of Fire. Here's Eric Liddell. I uh, thought I'd give you an Olympian reference since the Olympics are back. Anyone happy about the Olympics? All right, yeah, something to watch, right? Well, he was back in 1924. Uh, the Olympics were held in Paris. His main event was a 100-meter dash, but he didn't do the 100-meter because it met on Sunday. Now, why was he doing that? Because he was following the Lord. So he trained himself for the 400-meter. It was during the week, and he not only won the gold, but he set a world record. All because he was willing to follow Jesus and do a different event, he won the day. But the Paris Olympics weren't the only place that, that it would take Eric Liddell. Eric would be drawn to China, where he would become a missionary and actually spend most of his life as a missionary. And people would sometimes ask him, do you ever miss being an Olympian? Do you ever miss being an athlete and, and trading this new life as a missionary for what that life was? And he had these words to say. He said, it's natural for a chap. He's from Scotland, by the way. <laughs> It's natural for a chap to think over all of that sometimes, but I'm glad I'm at the work I'm engaged now. A fellow's life counts for far more at this, this mission work, than any other. If 
phenomenal statements, right, about the adventure of serving Jesus, which you can do whether missionary or not, which you can do as part of this church body, right? I freshened it up a little bit and was hearing a little bit from this guy, Nick Foles. Do you guys see this guy? Don't you love it when people confess Christ on a national stage, right? And so he gets the Super Bowl trophy MVP, and he says, to God be all the glory. And some of you may or may not know this. He wasn't playing football this whole season. He was thinking of taking some time off, doing a different thing. And you know what he wanted to do instead of being a football player? He wanted to become a pastor. In fact, he still has that idea in his mind. He wants to be a pastor. Look at some words that he has said about being a pastor. It's on my heart. I, I took a leap of faith last year and signed up to take classes at seminary. I can't play football forever. I've been blessed with an amazing platform, and it's just a door God has opened. But I still have a lot of school left. Yeah, you do. And a long journey. What does he know? What does he think? What does he maybe realize? That maybe there is no greater adventure, maybe there is no greater platform than when I serve Jesus and contend to follow him in everything, wherever he might lead, even if it's away after the NFL. That's pretty awesome. And I can relate to it because I know where God has led me. Ten years ago, I'd never heard of Aurelio's. Isn't that crazy? Right? I had no clue what happened in Frankfurt, Mokina, and New Lenox. I had no clue the wonderful people who would show grace to me and let me in. No clue the people we might be able to reach and touch with the gospel. But it's not done yet. It's not done yet. What I love is that the adventure continues. What I love is that the story is unwritten. And where has God led you? Where, where have you come from? What has God done in your life? I'm here to tell you you might have seen some wonders, but he's not done with you yet. He has more wonders to unfold in your life, to speak to you, to guide you into places you have yet to go. Yes, following Jesus is an adventure. And I think that's what the disciples learned. Can we turn there now? So we're in the second week of our series on Jesus, and, and last week, the, the, and so it begins, was Jesus' baptism, and now he's calling Peter and he's calling James and John not to be fishers of fish, but to be fishers of men and of women as they share the gospel, and so it begins for them. And we get to take a look at, at this, and, and uh, Luke records these words, but it's funny, as Christians, we actually believe God is speaking through these words. See, Luke was an eyewitness. He walked with Jesus. He recorded things, but we believe he was carried along by the Holy Spirit so that when we hear these words, it is not Luke talking to us, it is not some old manuscript that's ancient, it is actually God speaking through his word to guide his people even today. Because God is speaking to us, I invite you to please stand in honor of the word of God. So we continue. It says, One day as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from the shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water, let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we have worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. 
And they came and filled both boats so full they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord. I'm a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything, and followed him. This is the word of God. And before you sit down, could you turn to the person next to you and say, and so it begins. Maybe seated. Maybe seated. So I already talked about the Super Bowl a little bit and how awesome it was to hear the coach say, I want to thank my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Zach Ertz say, to God be the glory. Um, but there was something that if you were watching the, the trophy celebration that made me pause. I don't know if you saw it. But as the trophy was making its way to the platform, I noticed someone trying to get on the same platform as Nick Foles and the coach and, and Goodell. Did, did anyone see this? I noticed a celebrity by the name of Kevin Hart who was trying to make his way. Look at this. Did you hear this? So Kevin Hart wanted to try to get past security in order to be where the trophy was being presented, in order to be on that platform. But the security job, security guard did his job. And let me ask you, does, does Kevin Wright, sorry, does Kevin Hart have any right to be on that platform? Absolutely not. He didn't win the Super Bowl. You might have done a good job in Jumanji, but this is not for you, right? And I'm always struck by the wisdom of the Bible because if he was reading Proverbs, he wouldn't have had to have this embarrassing situation. Look at what Proverbs says. Here you go, Kevin Hart. Do not exalt yourself in the king's presence. I guess the king would be Goodell in this case. I don't know. And do not claim a place among his great men. It is better for him to say to you, come up here, than for him to humiliate you before his nobles. Kevin Hart, read the Bible. It'll help you. But the reason I bring this up, where are you going with this, Pastor? It's because Peter had this moment where he recognized there was a platform he was not worthy for. Jesus, he had caught uh, nothing all night, and then Jesus tells him to throw his nets over, and, and when he sees the catch of the fish, and he recognizes that Jesus is not only Lord of all, but Lord of the fishies, there is something in him that says, man, I am not worthy of this platform. Look at verse 8. It said, when Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, go away from me, Lord, I am a sinful man. He had this recognition, Jesus, Peter. Jesus, God, I'm a man. Jesus, holy, I'm imperfect. Jesus, over all the fish, I can't even catch one. Right? And the first thing I'd say to you, our first takeaway is this. Do you know, I think there is great wisdom in recognizing our unworthiness. There is. It's a starting point for many. It is a starting point to understand that, that I am not here because I am brighter and better. I have not been called to the gospel because I'm brighter and better. I'm not called to service because I'm brighter and better. It's not about my pedigree. It's not about my worthiness. It's just the fact that God has made unworthy people worthy. And maybe you can relate. Maybe there's something in you that recognizes your own unworthiness to be called a child of God, to be used in service. This is what we call sin, and we have not met the perfect standard of a holy God. We should be separated. We should be put down while he stands above. There's wisdom in recognizing our unworthy. I remember when this struck me nine years ago. So nine years ago, we were at Hickory Creek Middle School. Here's a picture. And... Uh, I recognized as a young seminarian, just first service, right, 
all my unworthiness. And, and, and I wanted to share with you some of the words that I, I shared that day. So I was looking back at the archives and, and found some, some, some words. I said, I want to confess to you that I'm neither the best, best preacher you will hear nor the most intelligent and insightful pastor you will ever learn from. That's been true. I also said that we had some wonderful people there, but that we would never be a perfect church body. That's been true. But then I also committed one thing. I said, I will always point you to the love of Christ. I will continue to remind you of that love and how incredible God is, and I hope that has been true. Because we are here because there is a perfect God. We are here because he reigns above. We are here because of his grace. And and we might have been unworthy, but I got to tell you the gospel. He called you up. He says, I'm standing on a platform. You get to stand on it too. I made a victory circle. You get to be there too. I have a trophy called my love. You get to kiss it. You get to hold it. You get to walk with it as long as you live. He has called us up by grace. The Apostle Paul says this platform is standing in grace. That is where you and I all stand. And why? Because of Jesus' ministry. Because in three years, it was the culmination of all the promises of God. Because in three years, he completed the salvation of the world through his cross and through his resurrection, through his perfect life, all of these things so that we could be called up. And that is what you are. And I get to remind you, even if you're just joining us at Amazing Love, if you don't consider yourself a Christian, you might have had this period where you thought, you know, Christians were just brighter and better. Walk with me long enough, you'll know that's not the case. And maybe today God is calling you to finally believe you have a right to stand in that victory circle. You have the right to be called a child of God. You have a right to the love that changes everything. This is awesome. See, this is the gospel. That Jesus calls the unworthy into service and makes them worthy by his grace. And it's then after he calls us, after we've known Christ's love, that the adventure begins. We need to talk a little bit about what the adventure can entail for you and for me as we continue to serve the Lord you know, I love Chicago, and Chicago has a way of amazing you at times. Never forget the first family trip we had, and we saw this thing affectionately known as the Bean, played in Crown Fountain. Takes your breath away, being surrounded by all the skyscrapers. And Chicago just continues to amaze. I don't, I don't know if you saw what's happening on the Hancock. They have this tilt thing. Anyone been on that? You're not scared of heights enough? Try that, Right? And you think of all the museums that we have. We have the Art Institute. That that has to be my favorite. You have the Museum of Science and Industry. You have the Field Museum. You have so many different things to see, right? And of course you have Donut Vault. Let's be honest, some of the best food. I mean, we could talk about food for days. Chicago has a way of just amazing and all the different things that it offers. You know, Peter was amazed by something wasn't this, although I think he would have liked it. He was amazed. He was seized by it after seeing this great catch of fish. And, and, and we remember these words. It says, 
For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish. Amazement seized them uh, what had, had just happened. And, and, and I think of like Peter's lifetime. And if he's amazed by a catch of fish, think of what he's yet to see. Like he's going to see a crippled guy cripple all his life who's going to walk out of the room because of Jesus. He's going to see blind men who can finally see again. He's going to be see lepers who are healed. He's going to have his mother-in-law healed, which I'm not sure if he was happy about. I think he was. But anyway, um, he's going to see the raising of Jairus' daughter, the raising of Lazarus, Jesus himself who would come back to life after he predicted his death. This is the tip of the iceberg being seized by amazement. And what I'm saying is this, that in the adventure amazement of Christ, it just will seize you. See, he will do things, he will be things, he will prove things that are so far beyond. I don't know if you, you have this experience in your personal life, the valleys that he has brought you through. Can you talk about the valleys he has brought you through? Can you talk about the, the glory on the mountaintops? Have you ever had the mountaintop days? See, the experience of God is something that will continue to amaze us, and that's the journey that we've signed up for. It's been nine years, I've seen some things, but in nine years to come, I wonder what could he do? Who could we reach? How could the name of Jesus be glorified and his kingdom come? What am I really looking forward to? We sang about it in that song, Grace So Glorious. The day that I will see the face of him who ransomed me, I'll fall before his feet. Praise him eternally. See, disciples, we we don't walk with him now, but someday you will walk with him. You will see Jesus face to face. You will see him maybe coming on the clouds of heaven at the trumpet call. You will have the experience to see the new heavens and the new earth and what that's all like. Uh, You will hear the echo of the angels for all eternity singing how worthy is the lamb. This is all that will be had because this journey is amazing. And it culminates in something that is far superior than anything we've seen so far. I am not here because of what has come back from then. I am here what's still to come yet. That's what drives me on. That's what motivates me. I know what is coming, friends. I know I'm going to see Jesus someday. I know I get to fall at his feet and I just get to cry my eyes out and I get it for him to catch me with a real body to catch me and say it's going to be okay not only now but for all eternity. That's yours too. It's yours too. To someday see what our hearts have been hoping for all along. To be in that perfect place. It's yours too. Yes, amazement will seize you. If it hasn't already, it will seize you for all eternity. But there was something sobering about this account too. And I guess if there was something that really struck me, It was Peter's words when he said this. Peter said, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. You ever been there? I remember being in college and I was a procrastinator. The pain of procrastination was better than the pain of planning. That was was what I did. Because I was a procrastinator, it led to some all-nighters. I don't know if anyone can relate here. And back in my day, computers weren't so good. Back in my day, computers would crash. 
And it happened a couple times where I spent an all-nighter writing a six or seven-page paper just for that computer to crash, leaving me in tears and nothing to show to my professor. There is nothing worse than when that happens. It is a horrible feeling, right? Ever been there? That's where Peter was. He said, I worked hard all night. I've been exhausted, and I got nothing. Zero. Right? I think we need to make a correlation between this and how it sometimes feels like when we fish for Jesus because the reality is, and this can happen, I'm not trying to be down, I'm not trying to be down, I'm just trying to be real so that you're, that you're guarded, so that you're disciplined, so that you continue on because this does happen. You can fish all night for Jesus and seemingly catch nothing and if you're a Christian, I know you can relate to what I'm talking about. You've had those open houses, you've been part of those mission efforts, you have served and you can seemingly catch Nothing. I remember we'd have teens come down from Wisconsin and they'd help us out. And and we would go canvassing and and we would be in the business expo and we would throw soccer camps. And then I would get the call and they would say, you know, what'd you catch? And I would say, I wouldn't say nothing. (laughs) I would say, you did a really great job and God was glorified. um, And I, I don't know yet. But you know what I saw? Nothing. That's what I saw. Right? Because sometimes that's what happens. Sometimes you can labor for the Lord, and, and it's not that he's not doing nothing. That's not what I'm saying. It's just that he doesn't allow you to see it. He doesn't allow you to see the, the seeds that have been planted and, and the way the kingdom grows. And so you need to know this because we're going to fish together. And if you're not real with this, you're going to want to stop fishing. You're going to say it's not worth it. But it is worth it. And here's the why. It's what Peter says next. Peter says, But because you say so, <laughs> I just got chills. And you know why I just got chills? Because because you say so is enough for me. Lord, I don't care how tired I am. Because you say so, we got work to do. Lord, I don't care where we failed before because you say so, I'm going to continue on. Lord, because you say so, I'm going to follow wherever your voice leads me. Because you say so, I'm going to give it all I got. Because you say so. And that's enough. That's enough. Nine years from now, I hope that by the grace of God, I'm still here. Not because of the catch. I don't know what that involves. But because he said so. I invite you to see this. The fishing for Jesus, it has less to do with the catch. And you know why it has less to do with the catch? You can't control it. That's why. I'm not saying it's not valuable. I'm not saying we don't enjoy it when we meet new people and and they see the love of Jesus. I'm just saying you can't control that any more than Peter could control it that night that he worked so hard. Don't control that. But if you just follow because he said so, You might be amazed at what he can do through that faithful obedience when you don't see, when you continue on, when you're faithful. I'm here because he said so. When he said, go and make disciples. I think that was a continual command. It's not like a one and done. What about you? Ready to go fishing? And so what we want to wrestle to the ground is how do we fish? I guess what I want to ask you is, very practically, which man or woman are you going to catch? And 
And here's what I know. None of us can catch everyone, but we can all probably catch one. Who, who right now has God put in your life that you know needs to hear of Jesus and his love? Who right now do you know is lost and searching? Who do you know right now that is chasing after everything the world might offer and, and, and is, is finding themselves empty because they still don't have Jesus? That's the answer we want to come to. Who is God going to use you in order to catch? And, um, and some of you might be saying, well, pastor, how, how do I catch? And uh, one of the things we've always promoted very practically, now I'm on practical speaking, is, uh, is just inviting them here. And, um, and if you invite them here, do you think I'm going to tell them about Jesus? Have you heard about Jesus today? Pretty good guy? Yeah, we'll do that. And the rest of us will love whoever you brought because that's what we do. That's what the church does, Right? So one of the ways is to invite. And you can have business cards. They're, they're on the table out there to invite your friends and, and continue to invite. Uh, another thing that you could do is practically share your faith. And, and maybe you're saying, Pastor, how do I practically share my, sh- share my faith? Where does it start? We're going to have a discipleship class on sharing the faith. Uh, it's coming up uh, March-April time frame. And so if you feel like you're not able to share your faith, that's going to practically help you to, to get to the point where you can share Jesus, not just an invitation. In the meantime, you can pray for people. Prayer is one of the most powerful things we do together. Prayer opens the hands of the Almighty God to come down and reach to us and bless us. Pray for those who don't know. And be a light. Be a light. Be transparent. Try to serve them with Jesus' love. Try to love them as, as best as you can. Because it matters. Because the answer to that question might have eternal implications. Because it matters. In fact, as we close today, I consider the upgrade Peter just had. Peter gets to stop catching fish and start catching people. And it kind of reminds me of this phrase of like giving person a fish and yet teaching them to fish. You ever heard that phrase? There's that phrase that says, give a man a fish to feed for a day and teach a man to fish to feed him for a lifetime, right? So I was like thinking of the upgrade that, that God gives. Let a man fish for fish and can change a day. Teach a man to fish for men. Change a lifetime and eternity if you're radically focused on that. And, and that's, that's the business amazing love is in. It's not about this party, even though I'm excited for pizza. Anyone excited for pizza? Yeah. It's about that party. It's about getting together in the halls of heaven, rejoicing around Jesus. It's about the kingdom of God to come. And that's what we get to do as we fish together. So may God keep us faithful. May he remind us its value. And now let me pray for us. Pray. Heavenly Father, I just pause and I thank you that you caught me that you wanted me to be on this platform called grace, to know that I could stand in the victory circle, to know that I could be forgiven and loved. How awesome is that? But now I ask that you use everything about me to catch many more so that when we get to that party, it may be filled with the lives that we've touched from the ministry that we have done to your glory and for your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. Please stand.